has a, has a, has a, has a kind of mystery. Has a, has a, has a kind of mystery. Episode 103 of the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast has a bit of a news feel to it. The episode features journalist and editor Lucy Thraves because the publication she edits, UK classical music's magazine Natalie called Classical Music, has, as of November 2020, shifted online. Lucy and I spoke on Wednesday last week, the day after the US presidential elections, back at a point in time when the prospect of Joe Biden securing the presidency seemed like a bit of an impossible dream. Now, a few days later, when this podcast is being published, Truth and Accuracy has found its advocates in the faces of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Truth and Accuracy matters. At a point in time when the art sector looks under threat, it's vital that we have a dynamic, responsive news outlet serving the classical music sector. That classical music as a publication is now online only is a much-needed thing at a really important moment in time for the sector. And in a sort of poetic way, the shift to new technology is also reflected in a new development for this podcast because this is the first podcast introduction I've recorded with a proper cadenza microphone with a boom arm, pop shield and everything else. That's news, that is. I'm trying to remember the last time that we saw each other in the flesh, and I think it might possibly have been at the Gramophone Awards. I realise that sounds quite pretentious yep. to say, uh, but was it then, or was it, at, or was it at the ABO conference? I can't remember. Um, I think it must have been the Gramophone Awards, which were just over a year ago now, weren't they? Yeah, um, ages ago. Feels like about five years ago. Uh, what have you been up to in the meantime? Um, coping. <laughs> In the loosest sense of the word. Um, <clears throat> uh, professionally, we've been through a number of changes with the magazine, um, which is why I think I'm here today to talk about the, the, the latest uh, manifestation of custom music. <laughs> which is, uh, <laughs> Yay, manifestation. Um, uh, when you, say, uh, when you so say coping, how do you, uh, what, what have you had to, what's been the biggest challenge to cope with? for you um just kind of expansive and unneeded time you know um not having anything to look forward to or very much fewer things to look forward to um yeah it's kind of the kind the, the way we've all had we've all had to just completely reconfigure how we go about the day-to-day and how we think about time and how we think about um how we you know get get from one week to the next so that's been the biggest challenge, I think. But what? I know I'm not the only person. Uh, the um the the day that we're recording this the day before uh the second lockdown starts i wonder um what things you think you learned from the first one that will help you in the second one trying not to just try not to be too hard on myself for like not doing all of the conventional self motivated things that people are doing like i've got so many people i know who are putting pressure on themselves to learn a language and to write a book and you know bake a banana bread or whatever um, <laughs> well the bitterness the bitterness in your voice is quite apparent <laughs> clearly you've got friends who are showing off about their sodding yeah, banana yeah, bread it's social media isn't it <laughs> um, but 
yeah I think just trying to not I was quite good at that, this actually in the first time just trying not to kind of get sucked into that and just, actually just getting through it is enough when when you know anxiety levels are sky high um we don't need to put any more pressure on ourselves to to be the best we can be in this time and it's quite nice actually to just press pause a bit and to kind of take a step back from all of that uh have you made any sourdough um no i haven't right okay no i mean <laughs> i, I just i just was reminded from what you were saying i was thinking about the banana bread and then thinking about how during the first lockdown that that my neighbor said i've got i've got all this sourdough starter i don't know what to do with it here yeah. have it and then i had this sourdough starter uh, and it yeah. just sat there and I tried to make bread with it and it was a disaster. Um, yeah. I realised that we're not really focusing on the key message for this particular podcast, <laughs> but that is the point of it. Um, uh, it must have been a bit of a, I mean, I know how I felt looking at the industry and the way it's had to change and, and the impact that this has had on the industry. But from your position, mm. what what are your takeaways from this year? What have been the, I suppose, what has made you feel the most sad, first of all? Mm-hmm. I think, well, many, many things, of course, but um, uh, mostly just it's, the whole pandemic has exposed just how fragile and precarious the arts are. And it's been really difficult uh, seeing how, you know, many of the people who work for the magazine, who've written for the magazine, walk this kind of month to month economic tightrope. Um, which is just, is, you know, it was hard before <laughs> and now it's, it's, it's soul-destroying to watch people's livelihoods kind of crumble in that way. Um, so, you know, it's been, that's obviously been the hardest thing, knowing that uh, the hardest, watching this whole sector kind of be allowed to go to seed. And I don't think it has had to be that way at all, obviously. Um, I think the government could have done so much more to shore it up. Um, but, yeah, we're kind of watching it. Uh, really struggle valiantly as well. You know, there have been some incredible efforts and some really heartwarming efforts to keep it um, afloat. But I really fear for how things are going to go in the next year. Uh, yeah. Are you you are referring to publishing, or you're talking talking about the classical music world? Um, I'm talking well. about both, um, and especially the way they intersect, which is where I'm sort of mm. speaking from in a professional capacity. So yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm talking mostly about the the, the music, the classical music world, and the music world, and the arts in general. So if that's um, the saddening thing, what give me give me some things uh, in relation to the classical music world that that has um, uh, brought you joy or hope or excitement during this period? Um, well, I think just generally the how richly and fully the arts have filled the gap created by the absence of of our old normal and the things we used to distract ourselves with you know getting commuting and going to work and mm. all that kind of stuff you know the arts have stepped in to, to be an amazingly um uh, comforting thing in that time you know we've turned in our millions to tv and film and stream concerts and you know i think we we've seen a you know ironically given the, the state of the sector at the present we've seen a, a such a um such enthusiasm and um, uh, such a need for for the arts. So I think, so I hope that, you know, people will realise that TV, film and concerts and music can't continue to be produced without people working Mm. for them. So, yeah, 
it's um it's a strange kind of uh simultaneity going on there i found um uh, i found to begin i said this in many other podcast episodes uh so i for those people who listen to them this is going to be repetition but i found over time that uh there was a collective sense of grief uh there was a sense Mm. of loss um, I found myself bargaining about when things might return. I found myself focused mm-hmm. on external, you know, uh, uh, continental um, music festivals that seemed to be leading the charge, and, and that made me go, "Oh well, maybe things will be okay." Um, and I'm sort of overwhelmed at various other times. I found myself overwhelmed by a sense of empathy for people that I don't know, i.e., musicians. Uh, and for mm-hmm. me, it really came to a head at, at, at Parliament Square, where. You know, here they were, actually, real people who are impacted by all of this. And what are you all going to do about it? Um, have you have you struggled to make... Obviously, as a journalist, you have to maintain an objectivity. Uh, but mm. how have you managed that sort of empathy thing? Because I imagine mm. it must affect you as, as it does me. Yeah, and I've always come at my editorship from the very... Um, from the perspective of really wanting to tell and highlight stories of people who don't have access to a platform themselves. So my my starting point has always therefore kind of been one of empathy and I've always looked for, um, so, you know, right from the outset, right from the start of the pandemic, I was asking people for their experiences and their stories and um, just trying to kind of amplify those as much as possible. Um, I think... Uh, Going back to what you were saying about a, a degree of objectivity, I think classical music has always positioned itself as quite a kind of, uh, certainly in the last couple of years, a kind of campaign voice. You know, we, had, we had this mental health campaign going last year uh, called Harmony in Mind. Um, so we've never kind of uh, pretended to be too distant from the, the kind of very human problems of the industry and, I think we very much carried that through and forward into this year where it felt more necessary than ever. Yeah, Um, I suppose there is something about the creation of the art form which demands a certain and demands and also results in a uh, an inherent sense of vulnerability uh, in both mm -hmm, the audience mm -hmm. and um, and the players. And in some senses, I can't believe that I've actually just said that out loud because I'm just making this up on the fly. But but actually, it strikes me hearing you say that that. because of that inherent vulnerability, then yeah. that positions the art form really well, which means that presumably one needs to, sounds weird to say, but one needs to capitalise on this moment. I wonder whether, yeah. how do you how do you see the classical music world, or as I'm getting you to speak on behalf of them, but how do you see, yeah. see them sort of capitalising on this moment? I think one, one thing to certainly not, try and sweep under the carpet is being honest and open about just how difficult this period is and how it affects mental health, how it affects anxiety and depression and those kinds of things. To try and to, to resist the kind of like uh, conventionally British stiff upper lip, upper mm. lip um, mm. thing, you know, and to actually come forward and say, look, this is where I am. This is what's, this is how I've been affected. This is my day-to-day situation, and it's really, really hard, you know. And and this is what I'm trying to do in spite of all of that. Um, and I think that's the way that you appeal to people's emotions, and that's the way you appeal to um, uh, kind of... And, you know, when you appeal to emotions in that way, you have 
some kind of hope of influencing uh, policy in a greater, you know, greater capacity. I think there was a story in, in the BBC just the other day about um, a musician with dementia yeah. who had, he'd like, there was some, like a million pound donation to a dementia charity because he posted a video, or his son posted a video yeah. of him improvising. And it's that kind of thing that I think is where the arts have a unique um, power and, yeah. Yeah, I found that I found that quite remarkable to watch. Uh, that was Nick Harvey, yeah. um, who yeah. had filmed his dad Paul improvising on four notes, and um, it was it was touching as a piece of music because essentially it sounded like not there were multiple stories going on at the same time. Um, you know, not not least just the music, but also the implied story of him with his dementia, the fact that he sat there in in his pajamas. Um, mm. and that it was it to all intents and purposes this was a piece of organic social media it wasn't it didn't have any spend put behind it um mm. when i then when i then heard the orchestrated version that somehow seemed to ramp up the 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 pathos there was a bit of pathos in it as well and um and then when i saw it on gogglebox and seeing other human beings reacting in the same way, yeah. So they so they featured it on Gogglebox. And when I saw other human beings in in living rooms reacting in the same way, and then I turned to my partner to see he was reacting in the same way. That is, I I buy into that. It, there is that is a, a special moment. Yeah, it's Do, kind of a like a waterfall effect, isn't it? You kind of yes, it's more and more. Yeah, we pick it apart and try and work out why it took off in the way that it did the best way of kind of mm. creating something that has that viral potential and can you know therefore you know uh capture the attention and the empathy of people all around the world because you know like it's much less likely for as, as wonderful and as um you know uh as a, you know as an incredible thing as a two two and a half hour opera is it's <laughs> not going to uh, capture the public um, imagination in the same way. I don't think it's just not as accessible at the moment. So I think what think you're, more, I think what you're touching on is the humanity yeah. in the story, and so that, the the way in yeah. which a one minute video has captured humanity that we can all yeah. connect with. Um, yeah. I suppose I, uh, and I think it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I, I I do absolutely think it's wonderful. I I also look on that and think. Um, what are the additional messages that we need to to make sure are attached to it um in order to make sure that that everyone is reminded that it would be very easy for example to look at that and go this is about dementia and it's about somebody sat at a piano uh, and x y and z but actually for yeah. people like you and I what that represents is one very small window onto a much much bigger sector which perhaps doesn't normally get very much attention or if it does yeah. it's for it's, um, it's, it's sort of it's framed in the wrong way you know it's that that sort of rather cliched trope of it being elitist and yeah. um what have you. yeah uh so i'm uh i'm interested in in how how those moments are built upon um uh, tell me about why we're meant to be here <laughs> which is uh, classical music magazine is moving online yes is it, it is. moving online in its entirety because the thing is i do really like the print because you print yes. it on heavy paper does that mean there are going to be no printed versions at all yes i'm afraid it oh. does mean 
Okay, yeah. right, fine. Well, you can proceed. <laughs> now that we've got the difficult <laughs> thing out of the way. <laughs> I think, well, one thing that this pandemic has done is um, accelerated changes that were already kind of emerging and beginning to happen. And uh, as I'm sure everyone knows, the media, us and countless other media outlets have spent the last few years weighing up the benefits of print over digital and um, I think COVID has really kind of just hastened our decision on that front. Um, and we were, we were chiefly getting frustrated with being always being a month or a month and a half um, behind the times. Couldn't necessarily, that's what it, you know, that's what the, the you know, print, um, it's the kind of uh, consequence of print deadlines and things like that is completely unavoidable. But we really wanted to be more flexible and more agile in the ways that we responded to developments. And, you know, no, there's, this, this year has been particularly um, uh, good at highlighting how, you know, how important it has been to be, it would be to be particularly flexible with what with the news cycle refreshing every kind of 30 seconds and something, some new revelation emerging every, you know, we, we, we'll still be, kind of doing all of the features, the in-depth features and the measured and opinion pieces and the, um, you know, all the kind of reflective stuff that we had been doing before, but we're going to focus a lot more on breaking news and analysis um, and, yeah, being much more, uh, yeah, in the moment for musicians. And presumably not wishing to draw attention to any one particular blogger, um, there is a need for that. <laughs> Uh, in order to ensure, yeah. let's not mention that particular person's name, but in yeah. order to ensure that actually there is some factually correct stuff, well-researched and less Daily yeah. Mail-esque reporting. Yeah, yeah, sensationalism is not... There we are, that's the right word. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think being responsible, being balanced, being factually accurate, these are all things that we are, me, the media is losing touch of, losing sight of, sorry um increasingly we've seen it just last night with the presidential election mm. the amount of um fake news to use that uh, expression that's been flying around is terrifying and it's you know um incredibly d destructive and i think you know we have to take a kind of I mean, obviously, classical music is hardly like <laughs> CNN. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I suspect I that you're not going to be getting Trump. You're not going to be getting, you're not <laughs> no, going to be yeah. getting Trump to uh, to exploit your platform in order to get his message out. Yeah. Uh, no, so I get you. But there is still that I have noted, and again, I don't want to make it about that particular other platform. But I have noticed yeah. that sort of even there that shift to sensationalism and yeah. this sort of almost. Uh, belligerent. Um, we'll just put this out. We'll just put that. Out. It doesn't really yeah. matter whether it's right or wrong. We'll just put it out. Yeah, yeah. Which means that it's about traffic and it's about money. And yeah. and and as you began in our conversation talking about the fragile state of the arts, I'm not. I'm not sure that the arts is necessarily. That doesn't mean that it needs to be wrapped up in cotton wool. But it's mm. it's um it needs more than just sensationalism because otherwise it, its fragility means that it's subject to misinformation and yeah. defunding and, and all the rest of it. as well, I think. You know, it's so easy for something to be pushed out, a story to be pushed out in a rush without taking, without ir ir irresponsibly, without being balanced. 
and it, all it takes is for that idea to cement itself in in uh, you know a, a section of the population's imagination mm. and all of a sudden it's it's lost it's been the whole the story is kind of run out, run away with itself and then it's lost all kind of um re- relationship to what it was meant to be in the first place so yeah i think as you're saying the 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 arts are so vulnerable and fragile as as at the moment we really need to be careful about how we uh um how we portray them in the public imagination. Mm. Uh, you take your role with uh, inevitable responsibility, and that's actually, um, I find that quite reassuring. It never feels like something I'm having to kind of consciously think of. It just, it's just a set of um, principles that I kind of try and adhere to. And it feels quite second nature. It feels quite natural. So, you know, things like fact-checking, things like employing balanced um, writers, um and um, you know, getting, um, uh, trying to get balanced opinions on things, and you know, <laughs> speaking to people who don't often have a platform. These are just things that come feel quite natural and feel quite second nature to me. Um, yeah, and I suppose actually hearing that only highlights the extent to which it feels in. I hate the term, but I'm going to use it, the mainstream media, that often it doesn't feel as though that attention to detail has been applied. Um, yeah. And and so it's sort of quite refreshing to hear that those values are still sort of live for some people. Uh, that's mm. That means that um, a sector is taken care of uh, with the well, due deference yeah. and respect it, it, it yeah. dearly needs yeah. at the moment. Um, uh what has been involved then in shifting it online? I mean, we 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 generally within the media, we generally just go, oh, we're, we're shifting this from print to, to online. It sounds very straightforward, like we're just pressing a button. But what have you had to <laughs> right? What uh, what have you had to um, confront, deal with, rise to? The, what what challenges have you had to rise to? I think that the main uh, issue is being very not well entirely. Um, untechnologically minded if that's uh, if that's the word I'm not sure it is but I'm not a natural computer whiz um I've I've really I've really tried my best <laughs> I was taking <laughs> Oh, is this you. is this like your top line message to your potential audience? I've really tried my best. I hope you don't mind the design, and I hope you're not. <laughs> well, no, I've just it's called delegation, you know. I've just left it in hands. You know a lot more about it than I do, um, which I think is yeah, definitely a wise thing. So, content has been my um, area of speciality, and so all I've had to do is when well, I say all I've had to do, it's been quite. Um, consuming has been uploading um the new content to the, to the new site and making and learning all these sorts of stuff about search engine optimization and you know maximizing the potential of the format and that kind of thing which has been a real learning curve for me because you know i came i come from a print background we all come from print backgrounds we all, all um you know historically classic music magazine has been in print since 1976 you know we, we're not 
not not used to this techie web stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Right now, you're managing stuff. expectations. I see what you're doing. You're managing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, it's not I, I think this is it's going to be a great thing. We've really, you know, we've taken to it like that's George. Actually, we're really naturally gifted now. So. Uh, so, for those people who perhaps aren't aware, I mean, I am, but can you give a flavour of the kind of small changes that one has to write to make to headlines or copy or how stories work online yeah um well just i've just come off a call just before speaking to you actually about how i didn't know this but when you're doing a headline the further left it's, it's kind of it sounds quite common sense but it was kind of interesting to hear it laid out in these terms but the further left um the, the more important words in the headline should go to the left of the uh, of the headline of the you know to the left of the page, and so that they'll correspondingly be to the left of the URL, and that um, oh. means that, that they they come up higher on a search on a Google search. So, for instance, we were looking at we were kind of deconstructing headlines that I'd put up, and there was one that was called "How to Cope with Performance Anxiety," which is typical classical music fodder but we were advised to kind of do to shift it around a bit so it was performance performance anxiety colon how to cope with it or something yes like that. yeah yeah you know, it's just like making those tiny little tweaks that just make the content come you know higher up because uh, as we were saying earlier like so much of success online is about clicks and it's about being recognized in google so, you know, it's maximising that kind of thing. I, I, my mind goes back to various training courses at the BBC with um, mm -hmm. sort of uh, other journalists in, uh, in the room who were significantly longer in tooth. Um, and, and, and I can hear their reaction to that kind of sort of detail. Uh, and it yeah. would be around like, oh, for God's sake, this is really annoying. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering whether there was a moment when, when you were sort of grappling with all of these things and you think, Jesus Christ, it's a lot of detail. I just want to write the, <laughs> want to write the story. Or, or maybe, maybe, you didn't, maybe you didn't experience that at all. Um, a little bit, I think, a little bit. In, but only maybe because I, I come from a background of being slightly cynical and about <laughs> like google <laughs> you know I think it's something that's a bit scary and a bit unknown and i think you know you the kind of like the fact that this is a slightly different conversation but the fact that you can say a brand name and you start getting adverts for it all over yeah your, that's a bit dark isn't it i know i, I agree with you it's kind of a whole kind of worms that i don't really want to touch or go near <laughs> i do i do I find like that i do find that i can I, I do um, find that I can search for pot plants, for example, at home base, and yeah. then I return to, to, yeah. to Facebook, and I'm just awash with gardening yeah, tips. And I, just, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, so, surely they realise this. Surely Facebook realises that this this strategy yeah. is not working. I know. It just makes you sick and tired of pot plants. You never want to buy another pot plant again in your life. <laughs> Which is why I only have one. Um, uh, was there anything else that you that yeah any other sort of gems that you, that were highlighted no, I to you. Away all, our, all our secrets, but uh, oh, okay. Oh, I see. Oh, I see what you're doing. What other things were there? Things like putting videos high up in the um, on the web page. I'm sure you know all of this as a blogger, but you know, you want basically you want to get people to stay on the page for as long as possible, mm. and having a video embedded in that page is a very easy way of doing that. It's, you know, mm. it takes time to watch a video. So if you put that at the top, then 
I think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that happens in the digital realm which people assume is very straightforward and doesn't require very much time. That's certainly my experience, and um, and I think people are often surprised about how long it does actually take to make good stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's fiddly. <laughs> uh, when does the site la- uh, launch? Um, tomorrow at lunchtime. You seem very calm. <laughs> I'm like a duck. My legs are going <laughs> right. Like okay. Uh, but I'm, I imagine that it's all sorted <laughs> out, and it is quite literally just upload, make live. Yeah, basically, it's as Great. simple as that. Uh, and where um, will we find it, please, Lucy Thraves? It's classical-music.uk is the new site and URL. We'll obviously be publicising it all on our Twitter and Facebook. Um, so go and check that one out. Uh, for the easiest access. Are you um, excited about the prospect? I am. I really am. I think it will be... I, th- I was beginning to feel a little bit like I was sort of lugging around this print magazine. It was, felt a bit cumbersome. And it was kind of... Because uh, it was always blooming a month out of date by the time it got published. So you look at this work of art and then go, <laughs> hang on, it's not relevant anymore. It's Ugh. not relevant. We had this awful thing happen in April... We had our festival this year in April and it obviously went to press mid-March, which was when lockdown was announced. So basically everything in the April the festival edition was rendered completely and utterly pointless. I had to put these disclaimers under everything at the last minute saying, none of this is going ahead. Yeah, but also being yeah. a creator, uh, you know, you are a creative individual. There, there, is a, there is a sort of a weird surrealness about you know, taking delivery of a whole box full of... Uh, publications yeah. which can right. which serve absolutely no purpose now uh, mm-hmm. i find that sort of um depressing but also mildly amusing i'm sorry i'm yeah. sorry that's just me. <laughs> uh is there anything else that you'd like to tell me that i haven't asked you um i don't think so just do my general just keep checking back to the website. You keep checking our Twitter and our social media for. It's quite. All the it's quite interesting stuff. asking that. It's interesting asking that question of artists, and then asking the same question of journalists, because artists will will hear that as a cue to, oh well, this that, and the other, and then you'll get another five or eight minutes. A journalist will go, nope. No, that's all fine. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much indeed. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And look, there are two minutes 50 left on the Zoom call. So, you know, in a very real sense, we've we've really nailed this. Um, Thank you very much for your time.